0: Welcome to God's Acre on the Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, welcome to God's Acre on the Go, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling. We're so grateful to have you tuning in on this Christmas Sunday. This is the Sunday before Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and so we are here to celebrate together. We're going to be looking at the nativity story as it's told in the Gospel of Matthew. This is the one where it's told through uh, Joseph's perspective. And to prepare us for this, we're going to enjoy Aram Shapanian's, uh uh, anthem, I am a carpenter. So prepare your hearts and minds to receive the word that the Lord intends for you today, whether it be in a prayer, uh, in a sermon, or in this anthem.
1: I am a carpenter, and I build with careful hands. I do my best to take each block of wood and carve it into something strong and sturdy, something useful, something beautiful for the world. I am a carpenter, not a wise man, not a king. Rachel told me in a dream, the Virgin Mary soon will bear a son called Jesus, take her hand, I'll take her
2: hand, and he shall be called Emmanuel, King of kings, the Holy
1: I've knocked at every door. So in this table bear I'll keep them warm. I'll build a bed of hay, we'll lay him in our manger. Neath this shining star. do my best to guide my baby boy and raise him to be someone strong and sturdy, someone helpful.
0: So as I mentioned, we'll be turning our attention to this story of Jesus' birth as it's told in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It says, Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord God, the psalmist witnesses to the fact that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask on this uh, Christmas Sunday morning that you would offer us your divine illumination in our time together, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was thinking about this, I realized that I've been preaching uh, some version of this sermon for years now. Uh, To anyone who will listen to my kids, uh, to myself as well, maybe myself most importantly. It's a message about a key to life and living that I, I think is revealed in the Bible and it's one that I have witnessed in some of the most faithful, joyful, and successful people that I know. Now, it has to do with a particular metaphor or perspective on life that can be incredibly beneficial to us. Uh, and is, I'm convinced, the point and purpose of God's creation. It's a, it's a way of living that can be a saving grace in this life. Meaning, it can be a blessing to us in this life, but it also can be salvation to us in the life that is to come. Now, as you know, there are a lot of metaphors for life employed by folks like us trying to make sense of the world and our place and purpose in it. Uh, most of them are rather cliche. You've got uh, life is a song. We each get to write our own lyrics or or life is a puzzle. You can only see the picture when the pieces are put together. You may remember Forrest Gump famously saying life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. On a more serious note, William Shakespeare encouraged us to think of life as an epic drama. He said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. You may uh, think of life as a battle or a journey or a marathon or a roller coaster. But there's another metaphor, another perspective of life that is expressed in the story of Joseph uh, that is found, uh, it's found throughout the Bible. And I think it's true to God's desires for us. And I think it's really helpful in understanding and navigating the peaks and valleys, the, the unexpected and even seemingly unfortunate detours along the way. Now, I want to just acknowledge that this is Joseph's Sunday. This is Joseph's moment. He only gets one Sunday per year, and today is the day. As you probably know, the nativity stories we tell uh, in on Christmas Eve that our children and the children's pageant will highlight for us in really wonderful fashion. They're a combination of the stories of Jesus's birth as told in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. The the individual accounts in those two gospels differ significantly. Uh, Matthew's from Joseph's perspective, and that's the one we just read, and then Luke is from Mary's perspective. Now they agree that Jesus was born under rather questionable circumstances in Bethlehem, and they agree that Jesus grew up in Nazareth. But the travel itineraries of the two Gospels, they don't line up particularly well. And I mention this because we're most familiar with Luke's account and and I think to understand Joseph and his acts of faith, we need to understand his particular setting as it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, in Matthew's account of Jesus's birth, the holy couple are already residents of Bethlehem. They have a house. Uh, There's a house that the wise men visit. You can look that up in in chapter 2 if you want. You can fact check me. Um, There is this, if you read through it, the sense of stability and rootedness in Matthew's telling of the story. Uh, Joseph is a carpenter. He's a builder. He has an established vocation and likely has the ability to provide Mary with a rather good life, even if immediate circumstances turned out to be deeply unsettling as they did. I think what we can surmise is that Joseph was a good, Faithful, hardworking man, who is likely planning to invite all his extended family and friends in Bethlehem to a wedding in the not too distant future. What that means is that Joseph had plans, and that's clear. In fact, in the seven verses that comprise this story, Joseph cycles through at least three different plans for himself and Mary. Uh, first plan, uh, plan A, if you will: marry, marry, Mary, marry, marry, and and live happily ever after. That that's. Plan A. Plan B, after Joseph learned that his betrothed was already pregnant, and after a a fair amount of personal deliberation and discernment, uh, Joseph decided to dissolve the marriage agreement quietly, without shaming or injuring Mary. Now, that second plan was actually quite remarkable. Uh, We're told that Joseph was a righteous man. Righteousness can indicate a commitment to the law, right, Uh, to Hebrew legal code, which in this case would have meant subjecting Mary to a public trial and a potential execution for becoming pregnant out of wedlock. Uh, Hebrew law was pretty darn clear in Deuteronomy and Leviticus that, that both the man and the woman believed to have committed adultery were to be put to death. But here's the thing, Joseph's form of righteousness clearly is not legalistic. Joseph's righteousness appears to be the kind of righteousness that's often attributed to God in the Bible. God's righteousness, if you read through the Bible, tends to be grounded in benevolence and charity. And in the New Testament, it's expressed through forgiveness. So plan B for Joseph was to dismiss Mary quietly without exacting revenge, perhaps taking a a bit of a hit to his reputation, but then kind of getting over it and getting on with his life. That's plan B. Now, after Joseph settled on this suitable plan B, he decided to sleep on it. And I love that, right? The only reason an angel appears in the dream is because he, he, he didn't rush to do what was needed to be done next. He rested, right? He slept. And then according to the story, it was during Joseph's nap, perhaps, that plan C was revealed. So plan A, marry Mary. Plan B, quietly dismiss pregnant Mary. Plan C, Take Mary as your wife and accept Jesus as your son. Oh, and incidentally, Plan C would also include a sojourn as refugees to Egypt and back, following angelic guidance every step of the way. So it, it would prove to be a journey to salvation, right, for the Holy Family. This, this journey protects uh, Mary and Jesus, and that's not insignificant. But it is also a journey towards salvation for us too, right? It says, The angel says, Mary will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people. That means you and me. He will save his people from their sins. However, not knowing the end of the story as we do, and given all the upheaval that that Joseph must have experienced, I wonder what Joseph's metaphor for life might have been in that particular moment. You know, an epic drama, maybe. A roller coaster, if he could have ever even imagined such a thing. A a box of chocolates. Or... Or a pretty biblically well-defined invitation to venture forth with God. You know, from the very beginning of the Bible, and Joseph would have known his scripture as a righteous man. From the very beginning of the Bible, the case can be made that this life is about an invitation to walk with God. In the genealogy, um, the the uh, description of the um, uh, ancestors of faith. If if you look at the genealogy between Adam. The, as the Bible says, the very first human and Noah, Noah of the flood, were told of faithful Enoch. A name you've probably not heard before, but but two times in this little phrase it says Enoch walked with God, and somehow that was pleasing to God. Enoch walked with God, and then and then we get to Noah, and the Bible says, and maybe you hear echoes of Joseph's story in this. It says Noah was a righteous man, just like Joseph. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and you surely remember. Abraham, right? Uh, The father of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Uh, Abraham's journey, as you may remember, began by accepting an invitation to, and I quote, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Not a land that I will give you, but a land that I will show you. So not all that dissimilar from Jesus's invitation, I think, to his would-be disciples. Come, follow me. I mean, there's a a pattern in the Bible from beginning to end. It's, it's expressed in, in the Bible itself, but I think it's also experienced in life. There is an invitation to walk with the Lord and to walk toward blessing and salvation. But here's the thing, it's this sacred walk, it's this holy journey, this divine venture with precious few details, right? Go to a land that I will show you, or take Mary as your wife. Come, follow me. I mean, those Those are the invitations as witness to the Bible. They don't give a whole lot of detail, not a whole lot of itinerary there. Now, what do we tend to call a journey that has little in way of itinerary? Uh, How do we describe a trip without a particularly well-defined destination? What, what, What do we call an opportunity to travel into the unknown? We call it an adventure, right? It's an adventure. that's the that's the sermon or the message i've been preaching for quite some time now that this life our faith is an invitation into an adventure with god and an adventure that has the ability to bless us and save us save us from ourselves and save us for god now i know that we often prefer predictable pattern to uncertain adventures but but there's a reason why this life seems to upend our best laid plan so much of the time It's because God didn't create all that is to be boring. You know, the intent of creation is to be enlivening, life-giving. God wants a lively walk with each and every one of us. Now, that kind of adventurous living means choosing, it's a choice, choosing to view all the ups and downs, all the twists and turns, all the peaks and valleys of life as opportunities to experience something new and wondrous with God. An adventure is defined uh, as an exciting exploration of unknown territory. And I'll tell you, as resurrection people who are invited into an eternal journey with God, we are invited to claim this life for the adventure God intends it to be. To be like Joseph, right? We're invited to take risks for the good of others, which is exactly what Joseph did. He took a risk to protect Mary and Jesus. Or like the Magi that we'll read about in a couple of weeks. We're encouraged to travel to distant and unfamiliar lands simply to come to know others, people who are different from ourselves. Or like Mary, we're, we're called to sacrifice our own individual dreams to pursue the even greater visions of God. You know, Joseph's acceptance of this Christmas adventure encourages us to faithfully venture forth each and every day. Uh, on the holy and harrowing path before us, trusting that God is with us, that Emmanuel promise, God is with us and that this adventure is ultimately and eternally good for us. That is an essential and saving, sh- saving shift in perspective that we, we all can make, right? Understanding that, take for instance pregnancy. A pregnancy, expected or unexpected, or the struggle for pregnancy is an invitation to adventure with the Lord. An exciting new job or the loss of a long-established career can be the beginning of an important adventure with the lord a clean bill of health from your doctor or a daunting diagnosis either one can be a prelude to a divine and illuminating journey getting into college early decision or finding out you're going to one of your safety schools it is a life transitioning and transforming adventure a marriage that lasts 50 plus years, or a marriage that ends after five can be an essential walk with God. Discovering that your plan C is actually God's plan A for you? Well, dare to call that exactly what it is, an adventure that just might save your life and bless others in the process. Now, I suspect this would be Joseph's Christmas wish for us to look at all the many elaborate plans we've made for ourselves and then consider the needs of others. Consider the dreams and visions we suspect God has placed on our hearts and then choose. Choose to accept the invitation. Choose to walk with the Lord. Choose to embrace the adventure and receive the blessing and salvation offered. Let's pray. Lord God, Uh, There are ups and downs, twists and turns, really difficult detours in this life. Uh, But only if we assume we're kind of journeying on our own, which means, Lord, we forget the Emmanuel promise, the God with us, that you are with us promise. So, Lord, in this Christmas season, help us to embrace the truth that this life was created, that you created all that is to be a divine adventure, that you desire to walk with each and every one of us into the unknown, trusting that love exists between us and that love is the ultimate goal of life, life here and now and life eternal. We ask for this perspective on life to take root in us today and to grow into the future, that we are adventurers with you, our Lord, our God, and our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church family, as you venture ever closer to Christmas Day, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship On The Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website www.godsacre.org or within today's email God bless you and have a wonderful week.